welcome to the cannabis data science meetup as always just advancing cannabis science and having fun while we do it so my name is keegan for those of you who are new here i got into the cannabis space a handful of years ago coincidentally as an analyst at a laboratory that tests cannabis and started writing software because that's my knack and i found that useful and I just almost approach things as, you know, common sense, trying to keep things simple. But I think there's a lot of people out there who could use some help just organizing all of this laboratory data. And so that's why I started analytics. And that's why a lot of these awesome data scientists are here, because we're basically working on open source software to help everybody in the industry. And, you know, there's a little something for everybody. Um, and as we've hit on again in a couple meetups before, but I'll let you know today, there's always good opportunities, uh, profitable opportunities for good data scientists. So I've got a bunch of cool things to share with you um, and software developers too. But anywho, uh, just to give everybody a chance to speak um, and introduce themselves, you don't have to, but if you want. Pooja, would you be interested in introducing yourself and any questions you may like to answer? with data science? Yes, absolutely. Hey everyone, my name is Pooja. I joined the cannabis industry formally a couple of years ago, back in 2019, and have been consulting with different cannabis businesses on data, strategy, customer, and a little bit of everything in between. I'm excited to find this meetup because then we can chat about cannabis and data, which isn't as common as I thought it would be. I'm based in San Francisco myself and looking forward to meeting everyone. A couple, hopefully the network's okay. Um, I think we've got a couple things we can share with you. Funny that you're based out of San Francisco. You may have to start talking with John and I and there's so many opportunities. Um, so, but before before we jump into all the fun stuff, David, just to give you a chance to speak, would you like to introduce yourself and what you hope to get out of the group? Uh, sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, this is my first time. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys were about. I uh, I built something called Canakies. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. Uh, but uh, we basically just provide um, all the studies that are in PubMed that are related to cannabis. We've created a way for people to um, drill down by condition or by cannabinoid or terpene. Um, and so, um, you know, that's an ongoing project, but um, I just wanted to see what this was about. <laughs> you're probably in the precise right place. So the work you've done is probably can get combined or supplemented with some of the work that we've done at the Cannabis Data Science Group. So in particular, you may want to speak with John. So he does some work with the dosing project, specifically looking at some of the effects. And we're trying to tie those into, you know, lab results, right? Grind, uh, ground people's 
perceptions in with some of these, you know, scientific measurements that are mandated. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a wealth of data, and it's awesome that you're working with PubChem. Um, in fact, we may have a couple things to learn from you because that's going to be super relevant uh, to the data at hand. So phenomenal having you, David. All right, thanks. Candice. Candice is an awesome regular data science extraordinaire. So Candace, anything you want to share or any pressing questions on your mind? You no pressing questions. And uh, yeah, everything, I'm, I'm really having a lot of fun with the data and uh, uh, we've been making a lot of progress. It's amazing all the code that Keegan has created. It, it's quite the application and uh, thank you. Well, I always like to say uh, I'm nothing special. We're just the tortoise in the tortoise versus the hare. So we just kind of keep at it. Um, and you'll see sometimes we go really, really slow. Sometimes we'll talk about an interesting, and, and sorry for my, hope, hopefully the, the connection's okay. Long story short, we'll pose questions and we'll slowly pursue them. We'll slowly gather the data. We'll clean the data, analyze the data slowly but surely. And so far, so good. You know, we've tackled some of the most pressing questions in the cannabis industry. So, for example, you know, does THC matter? We statistically approach that in Washington State to see, you know, does THC have an effect on sales? Um, there's a whole bunch of nuances there, but you know, we parsed out a relationship there. And so more work ahead of us, um, but just to, to give everybody a chance to speak real quick. Um, Isioma, welcome to the yeah. group. Thank Would you. Would you want to introduce yourself and what you hope to get out of the group? Sure. Um, my name is Isioma. I am a grad student at the University of Calgary um and yeah and i'm studying chemical engineering and um, i just found the group and i thought it was interesting and i thought I'd like to see you know what the group is about and also how to apply data science in cannabis so i'm basically new to everything just fact finding you're in the, you're in the right place though hopefully we can spark your interest and as i always tell data scientists there's a high demand for your skills and a low supply so yeah there's other data scientists out there and there's other people crunching numbers but first you kind of have to uh, you know convince people but once they sort of realize some of the value that can be had by organizing data looking at it in a structured scientific manner then hopefully the value jumps out at them and then once they realize that then it's ah oh, they can't get enough um so so there's opportunities and i'll be happy to share any nifty ideas uh, as they come up thank you oh you're happy to have you here but john any new developments anything that you want to share with the group i 
I know that you've been tinkering on some statistics and I'm not sure if it's it's still in the oven yet or ready to come out, but you're welcome to share anything that's on your mind with the group. Well, greetings to the newcomers. Um, I've been coming to these meetings now, what, for a couple months. Um, I'm a PhD biochemist out of the biotech and pharma industry with a long abiding love of cannabis and about a decade now of cannabis science experience. I'm the co-founder and CSO of the Clinical Endocannabinoid System Consortium and for a number of years was the scientific director for the Emerald Conference, which was one of the preeminent uh, cannabis is the preeminent sci uh, cannabis science conference in this space. Um, I bring an interest in chemotyping, an interest in clinical outcomes, and a multivariate statistics uh, background to this problem. Um, I also have enjoyed meeting folks along the way in this meetup and has led to many um, uh, collaboration opportunities, which have then blossomed offline. And there's a number of folks that have been in these meetings that we are now undertaking some projects. Notably, we're working towards creating a predictive outcome model for cannabis effects. And I think we're going to end up with a pretty robust platform in that. So. We'll have more to say about that in the weeks to come. It's still um, a good amount of it is still being cooked, but um, we could pre uh, presumably do a presentation on it uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, we are working with a dispensary in San Francisco, Puja, um, named Floor Dispensary. And you may want to take a trip down to the Castro. It's a newly opened licensed dispensary. And um, we're trying to do some forefront things in the cannabis retail arena and showcasing it there at floor. So um, I put that in. And otherwise, um, the CESC has a website. And I invite you um, to take a look at the CESC.org for some of the work and publications we put up there. Thank you. I love it, John. And John, for all of you that are interested, definitely reach out because he's showing you how you can take some of these nifty data science or machine learning algorithms. You know, of course, the marketers love those buzzwords, but that's what we're actually doing here. And then bundling those up into real applications that actual businesses are using, right? Floor right in San Francisco. And so that's what's cool about this is a lot of the work we do may seem trivial and meticulous, right? We're cleaning these obscure values, right? We're working with, you know, David, you'll be interested in this, you know, terpenes and cannabinoids, like minor cannabinoids. Um, and, you know, we're being real meticulous, like we're worrying about if it's reported in percent or milligrams per gram, just every detail. We're worrying about what method they tested it on because you just never know when that's going to matter whether the results are corrected for moisture content um we don't even really know so we're having to grab the moisture content right you know throw away no data um so we're just getting everything in a little feedback time um but it, 
it's cool because it and that's sort of going to be sort of the the lesson for the day and i'll kind of let it out the bag is how these small actions that we'll take have potentially quite meaningful impacts because sort of it, it compounds right so just this tiny bit of time that we spend cleaning the data well that'll help out you know john's life which will help out the manager of floor's life which will help out all the customers of floor um for the foreseeable future so that's a large number of people that have been helped simply from something minor like oh uh let's clean up this thca field um so we'll get to that today but so long story short you're all in the right place you know it's a, a small group but i think really impactful um you know we're sort of laying some of the groundworks that later get picked up um, and used in, in some of these applications you see out there um so without further ado right uh, enough talk uh, more action um so i'll go ahead and share my screen with you and we'll we'll hit we'll kind of get to some cool some cool models today so for those of you who have been slugging along you know through the whole you know 79 you know or so meetups we've done so far we've been going pretty slow in doing some of the real basic models right we did a bunch of linear regressions um I mean, we were even doing things like difference of means tests. You know, we were going as basic as it gets. And that's, I think, important. And we've basically built up our base pretty sufficiently um, to, to now we're actually to the point where we're actually approaching some of these, you know, modern day machine learning models just by building up a large base of statistics. And so, I mean, you've heard me speak enough that one of my sort of pet peeves is like when someone just gets a data set and they just go straight to, you know, the, the most complex algorithm that they can find. And you see that a lot. Um, in part, maybe a part of that's just me being jealous, you know, wish, wishing I was working on some of these models. So, you know, I finished my schooling um, like in 2015, 2016, or 2015. So before some of these, you know, modern day machine learning models are around. So I actually still have to learn these. So um, Pooja or whoever, if you if you have experience with these, I'd be thrilled to learn them from you. I've seen more of this, more of some of these classical matching models myself so for example the propensity score matching um, and then today we'll be doing the nearest neighbor and so once again we're not quite to machine learning but i'll show you today how we're going to get you know dangerously close um you know and to the point where you know we'll want to you know do our homework and you know read up on all of these so where did all of this come from well, we've got Donald Newt, and his name will come up over and over again. Um, I'm sure if you're a computer scientist, you have already heard of Donald Newt. So he's written a super famous textbook, The Art of Programming, I do believe. Um, and this is just a go-to text 
Um, you know, my background is in economics, so I still have a lot to learn about computer science. He's an interesting character, so I would suggest, you know, looking uh, looking him up. Um, but just wanted to, to hit on a, you know, a couple things that stand out to me is, one, uh, you know, this is a little long of a quote, so I'll try to let you read it. But it's basically saying, you know, when you're programming, instead of imagining that you're trying to instruct a computer what to do, try to think about explaining to a human what needs to be done. Um, and I've never actually like formally heard somebody, you know, say that, um, but it kind of makes sense um, because at the end of the day, you know, when you're a programmer, someone has to use your program <laughs> and that's the hardest part. Um, you know, whether it's they have to use your user interface or they have to run your routine, someone's got to use it at the end of the day. Um, and so that's uh, an important part to focus on. Um, and I, I don't know, now that I've formally heard this, I think uh, it'll make uh, programming a bit more coherent. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, to share that with you. Um, and so this is one of the reasons why, actually, I'll take an aside real quick. So, you know, I'd recommend you to go check out the Cannabis Data Science Repository here. Um, and you may, may want to spend most of your time uh, Actually, any anywho, I'll, I'll I'll stay on track for the time being. But long story short is, actually here I'll actually take a tangent because that's one of the um, the points of the meetup group is we can do cool tangents like this. Um, so the idea behind you know literate programming is you know here's you know the the Canlytics module, and you know. Here's where you know we have a lot of the code, and so for example, you know here we're specifically um, uh, oh yes we need to be in the branch so, so bear bear with me uh, so right now we're working on parsing cert certificates of analysis. And so long story short is, you know, here you can find, you know, sort of all the documentation for the code with the code, right? So here is all of the code and, you know, the documentation, you know, is, is you know, right there with it. Um, so, so long story short, that's uh, a bit of a tangent, but, um, but I, I think sort of a important philosophy that I was just introduced to that I kind of wanted to hammer home. Okay, move, moving on. Um, unless anyone has anything to, to say or, or comment so far, I know I've sort of been droning on. I'll, I'll keep droning on for a second and then we'll get to some of the cool stuff. So long story short, let's get to some of the analysis of algorithms. And so that's, one thing that he does is right, you basically study the complexity of the algorithm. And so the idea is your algorithm has to be sufficiently complex to solve the problem at hand, but 
you know, if it gets, you know, too complex, that's going to impose a cost upon you. Final tangent, he's actually also the creator of Tex, which is actually what this presentation was made in. So getting a little meta. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the search algorithms we'll be doing? Um, well, I guess I should have posed the, the question at hand. Um, Well, I'll just go ahead and do that, right? The question at hand, right, is, so say this uh, retailer floor in the cannabis space, they've got a whole bunch of products and it's not uncommon in the cannabis industry for a given product to sell out. So you go there, we've been talking about Gorilla Glue, you really, really like Gorilla Glue, they sold out, you now have to ask the bud tender, what's the most similar product to Gorilla Glue? Well, you know, now there, it depends on how knowledgeable the bud tender is. And so the idea is, can we have statistics to aid the bud tender? So now the, you know, the bud tender can then use this tool to then give a recommendation to the consumer. Um, and so essentially, we're just trying to do it's called you know the nearest neighbor so basically given a point p so basically given a product or is there a question real quick yes i do have a comment? question that's a great use case Please. keegan um are you suggesting that as an example or are you saying you are currently building something like that out well Stay tuned because essentially what we do here is a proof of concept. Um, so I'll basically show you the most bare bones nearest neighbor model that you could potentially build. And then I actually was just having this conversation with uh, an app developer or someone who's trying to develop an app the other day where writing the algorithm is actually the easy part. You know, it, it's getting it into production that's hard, right? So, so that's almost the job of the data scientist, right? Is, you know, you should be able to write the statistical algorithm or, or use it because then you're now going to have to get it into production, right? You're now going to have to put it behind an API, get that bundled into your app some way, you know, wire that up to a user interface. Um, so so there's still a lot more to it and then you know you know feed it more data right and that and that's actually i think the hardest step is um you've got your training data you then use your model feeding it more training data often requires you know a manual step so if you're able to you know automatically feed your model more training data then that's a really elegant solution and what people hopefully will pay you big bucks to do. Um, so, so fantastic question, Pooja, and I'll just go ahead and get to it, straight to it. But essentially today we'll do the, the K nearest neighbor search for a strain with a, just a very, very limited set of explanatory variables. And then, you know, you could potentially make, a, make the model much more complicated 
and even potentially use more complicated searching algorithms. Um, but we'll do a proof of concept. And then okay, got it. just, uh, but I'll go ahead and get, get to that sooner rather than later. Um, but just the, wanted to mention that we'll start with the most simple model. And then as with most statistics, you can just, you know, you can get fancy with it, right? So then you could, um, right, we're just going to define some explanatory variables. But so for example, uh, John does a lot of principal component analysis. And so you could use principal component analysis to make your explanatory variables. Um, and then I'm not, and I just wanted to throw this one out because this is maybe a, the most, not the most complex, but this is just kind of a demonstration of how complex things can get. Um, this model, which I have no, not explored, but if any of you are interested, like this could be a good future direction, the Mahala Nobis distance model. Um, and the main reason I wanted to point this out is it's basically saying, oh, now we have a point P and we want to match this with distributions. And already I like the description because we're al always talking about how much uh, the distribution matters. And so just the way I'm conceptualizing it is, oh, you know, maybe different products follow a distribution. So, um, so as anywho, well, you can, you know, extend these, but let's just go ahead and start with the most basic model. Um, and then this is sort of how it, uh, it ties into supervised learning, right? Um, Actually, this is kind of getting a little beyond where I uh, want to be, so we may cir uh, circle back to that. But here's the, the actual application for the day, right? Um, is, you know, can we use one of these matching models to find a cannabis product that's similar to a given product? Um, and so, so you could do, like, say, in, right, there's a bunch of, like, uh, delivery apps and storefront apps. So they've got, you know, a section like, you know, recommended or similar products. So you could use this algorithm to make similar products or like I said, the, the sold out or um, I, I don't want to let all uh, John Snifty ideas out the bag, but John, if you want, you should speak to him because he's got a clever idea of, of things that retailers can do too. So let's go ahead in and do exactly what we we promised um, and so if you want to go ahead and get your hands on the data this data set will be getting updated hopefully sooner rather than later but you can and in fact the data set that I'm working with may even be more current um, but you can still find a large amount of data here so we've basically collected lab results from three different labs. We've collected them from MCR labs in Massachusetts, PSI labs in Michigan, and SC labs in California, uh, Santa Cruz, California, I do believe. And so the cool thing is, especially about the MCR labs and the SC labs, is they're currently still publishing data. So we're working on getting routines to basically automate the collection of this data. Um, 
for, for those of you who are new here, you know, what does this data look like? We haven't cleaned it up too much yet. Um, uh, so, you know, here's a, an observation. So we, it's basically got a sample ID. Haven't actually standardized these. Uh, speak to Candace about that. Um, no, it's not her fault, but uh, she can actually give you a good explanation of how we're how we're going about standardizing sample IDs. Um, you know, we know when the product was tested. So this product was tested last July. You, you know, we we actually have the lab result URL. So. And in fact, this is actually where we're collecting the data from. So, you know, you can actually see, you know, the the actual data that we've collected. Um, if you're, you know, so inclined to, to double check, um, because, uh, you know, that's important. Um, you know, we've got things like the producer, we've got its product name, and then, as you can see, these fields haven't been cleaned yet. We'll actually be doing that today. One of the other reasons I host the meetup is we also sort of move the ball forward with Canlytics here. And so basically, I'll sort of demo to you today how we're going to go about standardizing this data. And then, you know, in the next week or so, I'll clean up all the code, and then that'll actually become an official part of the Canlytics package, where you know we'll standardize these. Um, but you know, right here, we'll just do the the quick and dirty. And here is the sample. It actually looks like quite a odd sample here. Um, so, 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 and so the. This is why sometimes you do may need to do a sanity check with the data, right? So you see, oh wow, you know this one only tested at eleven percent total, or you know, you know, about twelve percent total cannabinoids. That's pretty low um, in the green, relatively low. So you can go check this out, and you can see, oh, this looks like this was some really leafy stemmy material um but maybe maybe you know somebody is interested in purchasing this um you know sh sh it's shake is becoming quite popular but my apologies i'm just kind of baffled by, by the the look of this cannabis <laughs> um <laughs> but but anywho uh let's just uh keep powering on and the important part is we've collected a bunch of results for this sample and be prepared. It's going to be a, a lot. Um, well, actually, this was just cannabinoids, so it's not as bad as it could be um, if it was a bunch of it's not even bad. This is phenomenal, right? We want a lot of data. But um, as you can see, this is basically saved as text just uh, the way we kind of output it to, to pandas. Um, so, you know, we, you can evaluate this and, you know, now we've got a dictionary here. And so now we've got, so this is basically what the data looks like before it gets processed. 
And basically today I'll show you how we can go about processing this and then even do the, the nearest neighbor, neighbor model. Okay, so we, you know, here's, you know, the THCA, it, you know, the results have odd field names and their numbers and there's odd values mixed in there and these aren't standardized so let's solve all of those problems you know in in one fell swoop so you know basically um just for today was just going to basically basically today i was basically going to do a mock example of what you would do if you were a retailer, right? So we're just going to, you know, pretend we're a retailer as much as possible. So what would a retailer look like? Well, let's pretend, you know, this retailer just sells flour. Um, or we'll, we'll just be looking at flour for the time being. Uh, we could mix in concentrates, but I just kind of wanted to to just you know look at apples to apples today so you know we've got basically a sample here of flour looks like you know it's all marked flour inhalable and basically i wanted to say okay if we're just a retailer well you know let's just say we just have you know a random sample of products that were tested, you know, this year. And, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, a product to get tested in February and just, you know, it takes a while for it to hit the storefront. Um, and in fact, this may even end up being a, I was thinking this may even end up being a predictor for you, but I don't know how you would incorporate it exactly um, because people may, prefer fresher product. Uh, so, you know, you may want to think about that when you bring it in, but, but th that's not uh, really what I'm worrying about today. So, so long story short, we're just, you know, pretending we're this retailer that has a hundred products from 2022. Cool. Um, you know, we could look at you know, the first product, it's just going to be, you know, the same data that we've seen. Um, but, you know, this is just pure grapes. Cool. Um, so first things first, you know, let's go ahead and just start cleaning the data. So, you know, first we can just, you know, clean the total terpenes and the total cannabinoids. Those are, you know, informative data points to look at. And so, you know, in red, you have the total cannabinoids. In blue, you've got your total terpenes. So just, just starting to get a feel for the data. We'll look at the data, uh, how John likes to hear momentarily. I just normally just look at a distribution just to see, okay, you know, what are, what's the mode? You know, what's the max? What's the min? You know, does it look normally distributed and i think i would be lax uh if i didn't just point out real quick and i'll give my explanation for this 
uh, <laughs> and in fact, it kind of ties into what we were talking talking about. Uh, or quite or comment, question, comment. I was just saying I had to drop. Thank you. See you at the next one. Oh, got to drop. Okay. Well, thank you for thank you for coming, and I'll I'll see you next the next one. Okay, well, I'll try try to get to the nearest neighbors sooner rather than later. Okay, so long story short, we've got our distributions here, and I would just want to say, you know, you see a slight right skew in the total cannabinoids, and I would just say it's basically, that's basically what people have been, you know, using as their signal of quality. So, you know, consumers basically when they go to make a purchase, right, they need some signal of, you know, what's going to be a quality product. And so basically people hit on, oh, you know, the, you know, the higher the THC, the better quality the product is. And so, you know, now there's a bunch of incentives um, in a bunch of different places in the supply chain to increase, you know, your total cannabinoids. And so I'm just here to observe that, okay, well, if all of a sudden now you have this, you know, right skew here towards, you know, your total THC or total cannabinoids, it may be a less informative signal for your consumers. Um, and so this isn't actually something that this wasn't what I predicted. I predicted that, uh, you know, say total cannabinoids get skewed, then that would just have incentive for, for people to, uh, you know, sort of rebalance that. But, but basically what I didn't anticipate was basically people are now looking for different signals of what makes a quality product. And it may have actually kind of worked out beneficially for consumers because now people are starting to look for other signals. Okay, so what's going to be a good product? You know, maybe it's got to do with the terpenes. Hey, Keegan, and so this is where you know, people. Sec. Yes. Um, before you switch yes. to terpenes, can I just riff on this a bit? Because um, it's actually a very interesting um, distribution, if, if I may. It's what. I've been seeing since Please. I've been looking at these kinds of distributions since about 2015 or so. Um, THC, um, THC dominant cannabis, I believe, or we believe, comes in two alleles, a high allele and a low allele. Um, and it may be because of the actual, um, it has to do with the synthase, uh, THCA synthase genetics. And so I think what you're seeing here is as i said consistent with what we've seen over the years and it may be that um the high high allele is your major uh dominant peak that you're seeing centered around what uh, 25 or so uh, per, uh percent and your thc low thc high allele um much less of course but is less in the thca content and also uh in the the amount the frequency that it appears in the commercial marketplace. So this is real, and I think it reflects the underlying genetics of THCA synthase. 
spot on. And so, yeah, I wasn't necessarily knocking the data. I would just. No, but there's, there's conclusions. You know, as you pointed out, there, there's just. That's cool. So long story short is the point I was trying to make is, you know, at least myself, uh, you know, just speaking from anecdote, you know, THC is not really the go-to metric that I look at anymore when I'm trying to make a purchasing decision. Um, you know, back in the day, I def it definitely was, you know, if there was something that was, you know, 28% and everything else was 22, uh, personally, that's what I would gravitate towards. These days, you know, if you go to the store and you're, you know, you're looking at like high-end products, basically, you know, everything, or not everything, but, you know, maybe half the distribution is going to be above 28%. Mm -hmm. um, so now it's, and so now what I was observing is now it just seems like, you know, everything's uh, sort of high THC. Um, and so my point was now I'm sort of looking for a different signal. So now I don't personally really care too much about the total cannabinoids or total THC. I, one, I do actually care about the total terpenes, but now I'm also interested in, you know, what are the precise terpenes, you know, in the product? Because that's sort of what the, the work that, you know, John and other people are doing is, you know, they're starting to realize that, oh, there may be a correlation, potentially a causal effect, right, between the certain terpenes and the certain effects you may experience. So, so long story short is, in my opinion, like, you know, this signal isn't as useful as it once was. So now we can start to look for other signals, perhaps the terpenes, and use those in product recommendations. And so today we'll basically do just that. We'll create some terpene signals and we'll use those to recommend products. So first things first, you know, we have to actually clean the data. So I'll do that pretty quickly for you. Um, but this will end up being part of, uh, you know, the standardization process. But just to, to kind of walk you through it. Um, but then we'll get to the analysis sooner rather than later. But I just kind of wanted to, to highlight this because this will end up being sort of a core component of the Canlytics package. Basically, you know, we, we're taking these messy results that we have here. So as we pointed out, this is just a giant dictionary of messy results. And here's, you know, the full panel where we've got cannabinoids, pesticides, you know, it gets quite, quite extensive. Have no fear, Canlytics is here. And so essentially we'll handle the LODs and LOQs. Um, and then we've got a list of basically standard fields here. And so this is kind of where I wanted to talk about uh, the supervised learning. Um, so basically, you know, supervised learning is we basically are taking this training data where we've got input output pairs. 
So Delta 9 THC, we prefer Delta 9 THC. So we are going to train on a bunch of data. Then we're going to use that to generalize for new examples. And then we basically retrain our model after seeing the new examples. And then hopefully, you know, we basically supervise the model to learn. So, you know, machine learning, I do believe, is the unsupervised learning where you sort of have cleverly automated all of this. But we can manually feed back in information. And so as we've gone about parsing all of these COAs from the various labs and the various states, we've now come across, you know, a whole bunch of data that we can now use for standardization. So for example, we've now seen all of these different fields and now we can just map this to the specific field that we prefer. Um, and we'll do that with the fields. We'll do that with the analyses themselves. So if somebody says it's a potency test, we'll know that they're talking about the cannabinoids test, um, so on and so forth. And then we can do it with the analytes themselves. So that way, you know, if somebody says alpha pinene or they say a pinene, then we know that they're talking about alpha pinene. Um, and so, you know, the more certificates and lab results that we see, we can supervise the model by essentially, you know, giving it these new, this new knowledge, and then hopefully, you know, the algorithm's that much smarter in the future. Um, and so just to, you know, to just to, to let this run, and then I'll show you, you know, the final output. Um, so, you know, pretty quick as far as, uh, you know, the grand scheme of things. So now we've got, you know, an observation here. And just to show you, you know, what a clean result looks like, you know, we've taken, you know, this messy water activity result. Um, here, I'll just scroll down. So here was the result before, right? We've got strings, we've got weird characters. We're not exactly sure, right? That's not completely standardized. And now at the end, we now know, okay, this is water activity. We now know, right, we've assigned a key to it. So now we know this is water activity. We know that water activity is measured in AW. I guess we should have converted this milligrams per gram. Um, in fact, I may even want to double check this uh, because this is this actually should be our value here. So this actually isn't the best example because this one still needs to be fixed a little bit. Um, but uh, but maybe the first one will be okay. So for example, here's THCA. So now THCA, we've got a value of thirty-two percent right units percent we know that this is thca and then you could you know look this up on pubchem 
Cool. So let's go ahead and get to sort of the, the punchline of all this, right? So now we've done all this hard work uh, creating or cleaning our data. So let's, you know, let's look at the data. So we're basically going to look at what some of these terpene ratios. And so this is where we finally get to some of the cool plots. So thank you all for waiting, you know, patiently. But this is where, you know, we finally get to sort of the, the cool takeaways. So we started to realize that, okay, you know, total THC, it is a signal, but let's see if we can't find other signals in the data. And so John was telling me about these terpene ratios, where if you take the ratios of certain terpenes, you know, there appears to be a relationship between them. And this, I believe, goes down to the chemistry of the plant. So how the plant goes about synthesizing these chemicals, they may co-occur. So, so long story short, you know, here's a ratio between two terpenes and you start to see, okay, you know, there's some outliers, you know, or is there anything, you know, meaningful to these outliers? Um, and here's, here's a, another relationship. And this is actually the go-to one that I use when I'm shopping at a store, right? And so this was almost a, a life-changing <laughs> sort of statistic that, that John told me about, where if you take the ratio between beta-pinene and D-limonene, then this actually is pretty representative of what you would classically know as, you know, the indica-sativa dichotomy, where strains that are you know, high in D-limonene relative to beta-pinene tend to be, you know, what you would traditionally call the indica strains. And then the strains that are higher in beta-pinene relative to D-limonene would typically be your sativa strains. And so essentially what we're going to do today is basically, you know, formally now use that for prediction, right? Because so now you've got you know, you're starting to notice, okay, there's a couple outliers here. You know, there's a couple outliers on either side of here. So the idea is, you know, if you like trill, you know, can we, you know, recommend a similar strain? And I realized, you know, this is actually a pretty, it's not that complex of a statistical exercise, right? Because we've got the ratios here. So here, you know, is the ratio of beta pinene to D-limonene. We see trill at 2.8. So, you know, if we were just looking at one factor and we said, you know, what's the nearest neighbor to trill? Well, that would be the Mendo crumble, right? It's 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 its nearest neighbor. And so then if we were saying, oh, you know, what's the the nearest neighbor to uh, the cocoa channel? Well, you'll find you'll do the math and, you know, whichever one of these ratios, it looks like this trims a little closer. Um, 
here, here's a more obvious one. So say you were like, oh, you know, what's the most similar, what's the nearest neighbor to Pipe Dream? Well, that would be, you know, the LA times the AK. So the idea is, you know, if you're just looking at this one factor, you know, it'd be pretty quick to just do this manually, right? You could just print off this sheet and, you know, ha hand it to your bud tender. And then the, someone says, oh, you know, last week I purchased the Eagle Mac. Well, you know, what, what's similar to that? And you say, oh, well, you know, you may enjoy the runs. Um, but, you know, we could potentially, you know, do better than that. And so that's where the nearest neighbor algorithm comes in. And so the idea is, you know, now we'll look at, you know, more than one factor. So basically, um, you know, I'm calling them our features. So basically the ratio one is the ratio of, I believe, beta caryophylline to humulene. Mm -hmm. And then ratio two is beta pinene to delimine. So now we've got these two ratios here, visualized here. And we're basically going to say, you know, given a particular strain, you know, what's its nearest neighbor? Um, and, you know, now we'll defer to the brilliance of scikit-learn, right? We're doing unsupervised learning, right? We're supervised learning, so it's kind of fitting. So long story short, um, we'll, let, let's just go ahead and, and fit the model here. Um, and so basically, um, uh, once again, I would encourage you to check out the, the Scikit-Learn documentation because there's a whole bunch of uh, cool features, <laughs> pardon the pun, but there's a whole bunch of cool, you know, functionality packed into this model. So, you know, definitely check it out. But today I was just going to show you, as promised, right, just the, the proof of concept of how you could go about doing a product recommendation. And sure enough, Right, you take the Mandarin skunk and you say, okay, you know, what are its nearest neighbors? And I think just the way the the algorithm works is it it does return itself. Um, so so please someone double check me and make sure I'm doing this correctly. But the way I interpret this this is okay, what are the nearest neighbors to Mandarin skunk? Those would be the grapes and cream, nap time, and gelinate. And if we go up and look on the, the graph here, you see the mandarin skunk there, you know, grapes and cream there. You see the mandarin skunk there. You see gelinade there, grapes and cream there. So it, you know, it just from, you know, a rough visualization, it looks like, you know, this nearest neighbor algorithm is actually doing a pretty good job at finding you know what's the most similar strain you know in this two-factor space um and just uh, you know one more example you know let's say you really like the trill you know what, what's the nearest neighbors to the trill right we're predicting mendo crumble la ak 
and pipe dream. And then if you go up here, you see the trail. You do see the LAAK near it. You also see the pipe dream and the Mendo crumble is also having high beta pinene to delimine. And so this is where I think this is, you know, even at this very rudimentary basic point, I think this model is, I mean, I had almost deferred to this over the bud tender, uh, not saying the bud tender doesn't have their place, but maybe they should be using this model uh, when somebody asks them. Because the idea is, you know, say you really like the trill and they, you know, they sell out or, or maybe, maybe you just kind of want something, something different. Maybe you've been uh, a purchasing trill for the past handful of weeks and you, you just kind of want something diff different, but similar. Um, well, you know, now you don't have to necessarily, you know, get something that'll put, put you out on the couch. You could, you know, find something more up your alley. Or if you do like the stronger, the stronger strains, you do like to use them in the evening to get some sleep. And the last thing you want to do when you're trying to get some sleep is like, you know, feel like you just uh, drink a cup of coffee, right? So you may not actually, right? So although it's named Pipe Dream, right? If you're just going on name alone, you know, this may not actually help you uh, dream uh, per se. Uh, so the name may be misleading. And so the bud tender may say, oh, yeah, here, have some pipe dream. But in reality, you know, you'd be much better uh, as, a, as a happy camper or uh, or some blueberry muffin or so on and so forth. So that's sort of the sort of the punchline of the day of, you know, what you can do with this nearest neighbor. And as I said, you know, this is sort of just just the beginning. Right. So you could start to pack in a bunch of other factors like moisture content. You know, perhaps you could look at THCV, CBG. You could look at when the product was tested, who produced it. You know, so there's a whole slew of factors that you can use. And so this is kind of where I, where I was saying that, you know, doing the statistics is is part of the challenge. And then you know, actually writing the algorithm, putting it behind an API, getting it in your app, getting consumers to, to use it. That's, you know, a whole nother challenge. Um, but then, you know, you'll get ex exciting new data for your app. And as I was kind of alluding to at the beginning, there could be some really really big implications from this right like so i mean i like i was telling you um it was sort of a, a little bit life-changing when i realized that oh you can just do this quick ratio between beta pinene and delimonene if any of you just need an ad hoc rule of thumb generally i'm looking at a ratio greater than 0.25 um yeah it, it, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, generally a ratio greater than 0.25 you can think of as more of your sativa type of strains. Um, so that was pretty life-changing for me and, you know, helped me be able to navigate the product 
uh, the products a little bit better. And so, you know, that's one person and, you know, there's millions of cannabis consumers out there and, you know, they don't all necessarily need to be estimating nearest neighbor models, but if, you know, you build these nearest neighbor models into retail apps or consumer facing apps, then, you know, you can help, you know, potentially millions of people um, just by, you know, cleverly bundling up these statistics. So that's sort of the, the punchline for today. Any thoughts, comments, questions about, about all the material today? Um, yes, I had a question. Um, I actually put it in the comments, but um, I'll just say it again. So for the, um, when you are building the model, you know the features you had, like the ratios between um, D-lemonine and, um, I've forgotten the other name, but um, did you combine all of that to get like the distance between um, each product? I mean, you had you had two graphs there, right? If you can go back to your presentation. Okay. Yes. I. Um, okay. So the the nearest neighbor algorithm is using essentially both. It's using essentially all four of these terpenes. So. I think you can do a this nearest neighbor model, um, and in fact, I'll I'll encourage you to play around with this. I think you can estimate this model with just one feature. So you could just look at it with just you know say this ratio here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just kind of I maybe made things too complex too quickly basically i'm using both of these um so it gets a little abstract um and in fact i yeah so um, using, using the both of fact, those did you were you was there um any formula you used to combine to kind of get like the distance between two points Well, that's that what have been the, the nearest, nearest neighbor, neighbor algorithm, algorithm does. Hmm. It's part of the, the, the exactly. Um, it's part of the what's under the hood. Um, it's likely based on Euclidean distance between the two of them. Oh, Euclidean distance. Okay. Right, and in in two dimensions, in that's not very hard to visualize, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Keegan, can I make a comment and a recommendation on this? And it's very nice to see. I'm glad. Um, it's very nice to see this starting to spread. So I'm, you know, that that's very pleasing. Um, my recommendation would be to not run them as ratios. Run them as four factors because the ratio relationship is inherent. And so it would be interesting to go back and look at your nearest neighbor when you run four factors, namely limonene beta pinene, alpha humulene, and beta caryophyllene. Just run them as four and see, because when you run them as ratios, you lose the relative amounts of those terpenes, right? Because you're looking at them as a ratio. 
And if you have a lot of one, one that has a lot and one that has a little, but the ratios are the same, you lose that information. Whereas you keep them separate, you won't. And that has profound impacts on the predictability of those groups. Am I clear? Well, yeah, you're you're clear. We if you're up to yeah, go ahead. Ball, we may be able to do that. Yeah, so I don't know we could probably do that real quick. We do that, but it would be um, interesting to see and then see where they map. So I'll just need to make sure that we get rid of all the nulls. Um, but basically, you know, we've got our limonene um, and beta pinene. And then we'll need these two, the caryophylline and the humulene. Yeah, I'm curious because you're right. I, yeah, you lose that information. I've been, I've been down this path. That's why I, I'm saying it. Um, so I think we can do this, or we'll just need to make sure. Um, Uh, oh, yes, uh, this is actually the data. Okay, so bear with me. So just need to make sure that we don't have nulls, um, and then we should be uh, good to go here. Um, so now we'll do, the I think, the same analysis here. Oh, look, it's different. Um, so, so now if we disentangle the ratios and you just look at those four terpenes separately, then then you're going to predict, you know, you'll, you'll predict the entirely different strains here. And um, what does that look like on your, on a map? And then the, the um, it's a good que question. Another, uh, if you go back can, to a beta-pinene-limonene map, scatter plot map like you just had, right? Where do those fall now? Oh, yes, so here, let's, here, here, look, we can do this. Um, this is this is actually going to work for us. So, like, if we just now want to look at those, cool. So, so this is the the principal component, and so um, here I've got to look back. Uh, what did you call it? Sioma. I. So, so the 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 color is the ratio. So the the higher the ratio, the lighter the color. Okay. So how do we find so, what's closest now? I mean, it's not. Is it what's labeled but with um, names? Exactly. So here I did a search uh, okay. for trill, and you know okay. what are the five five closest. Um, and if you don't look at ratios, um, you just look at the raw data, then yep. you, you'll, you get that grouping there. I, I like that. And, I like that. And then hold on this second. Let's look at the Mandarin one. Um, let's look here. So if you say, and oh, what's I the closest agree. to Mandarin? Okay. So here, yep. here, if you want, you know, the closest to Mandarin skunk, you know, you'll yep. get get ones in this neighborhood here. And now try pipe dream if you can, can you? 
Sure. Um, so now, um, da, 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 right. here in, we can actually, we can, we can uh, 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 top strings. And so now we've got this all programmed up. So that way we can just say, and, th and that's what's cool about this is, right, we're just doing a proof of concept. But the idea is, uh, you know, this will be your user input. And so basically you just say, oh, okay, the user loves pipe dream. So now they just tell the bud tender that. And then the bud tender's got their bud tender app. And then they say, oh, you know, the, the nearest strains to pipe dream will be your, you know, your Coco channel, your M16, your 211. Um, and that doesn't work so well because they're not very represented in the high beta pining limiting group at this dispensary or at this collection. So that's why we're running into the apex with um, those others. You know, I mean, it, in this, you see what I'm saying? There's, there's nothing in, in this kind of answers and this... the apex. I don't know why well, in this... not hitting the top one there. Well, this incorporates what Isioma pointed out in that it's incorporating four factors here and we're only visualizing two. So it could be that because of other, right, because of beta caryophylline and alpha humulene, uh, th those may be driving the similarity there. Yeah, I am um, curious why, yeah, why and, the top point, the one above pipe dream is not being signaled but so be it cool um and, and like i said you could you you could potentially look at you know the nearest uh you know the nearest 10. Mm -hmm. um so let's um and it's still even if you look at the nearest 10 it's still not getting it um yeah and so you know there may be something about pipe but in fact can you i think pipe what is that top one you know can you pipe dreams unique because it's got a it's sort of an outlier as far as alpha humulene beta caryophyllene goes oh i see okay that's why okay exactly it's, um uh where is it sorry i'm at plot in it, i'm uh the bcp hold on let me uh, here let me plot a uh, beta very cool um, versus what was the oh yeah uh, BCP against alpha humulin. I I plot them the reverse of what you do. It doesn't matter. Well, it does kind of matter. Okay, let's just look at the top yeah, three just, again. Um, and there's um pipe dream there. Oh, it's the yellow one. Uh, right? uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's probably pretty sensitive. Yeah, so, so here's, so it looks like the alpha humulene beta caryophylline one is kind of driving the relationship as far as pipe dream goes. Um, mm -hmm. So long story short is I think. Interesting. 
And now's basically the, the tricky part, right? Because we can estimate this model, but now the tricky part, and this is what, what I like I mentioned in a couple weeks now, where you know, essentially the way I view it is, you know, as a good data scientist, you should be able to estimate the models because the hard part is figuring out what variables to use, right? So it's like, you know, make sure you can estimate the model because then you can spend all lunch uh, with your data scientist friends debating about, you know, what features actually need to be used. And this is where you could potentially estimate a bunch of models, right? So, right, you could estimate this four feature model, and then you could estimate, you know, a 20 feature model, right? We've got so many data points here. So you can get really, re really creative with this. And then ideally, I guess you'd want to get some user feedback, right? So as you're making recommendations to users, you may want to ask them, was this a good recommendation? Um, and then you could maybe use the your user feedback to basically rank different models. I um, mean, then you could basically do a, a scientific approach, um, sort of an A-B test, right? You've got model A, which would be your ratio model. And then you've got model B, which would just be your just your your raw terpene data and you maybe make a bunch of recommendations to your users get their feedback and see on average which model had you know better product feedback for your consumers um, and then you'd go with model a or b um, and then and then ideally iterate right and then you try out model c you know which which uh you know say you pick model b you know now it, what's going to be better model b or model c and I, so I, the I, idea is you know you keep observing you keep observing data keep getting feedback and hopefully keep making people's lives better and better better just smaller compounding ways yeah, I was wondering about the difference between the user profile. So if I'm coming in and I'm somebody who uh, uses this one particular strain and what I'm concerned about is that it treats my medical condition and the terpene that's significant may be beta-caryophylline and the nearest neighbor on all these other factors might make it like oh the the experience in terms of it was less sedating or it was the the overall uh smell and taste of it would match something but the actual thing i'm i'm interested in which is like does it treat this particular condition might be contingent specifically on just one of the terpenes or the ratio of uh, THC to CBD, or you know, one of these other cannabinoids. I I love it, David. I love how you think because that's exactly what needs to be done. So this is 
the simplest starting point, we're just saying, oh, you know, what's the most chemically similar product? Mm -hmm. But then you actually want to incorporate actual feedback. And so this is where you may want to get in touch with John, a, for, uh, a former regular of ours, Charles Rice, was working on something similar where we are just looking at lab results, but you could also look at reviews. And with natural language processing, you could also look at, you know, who has had the most similar experience as you. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, uh, so the, 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 the idea behind the nearest neighbor is the feature set is infinitely flexible. So instead yeah. of your features being chemicals, your features could be the natural language of reviews. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, we were able to just do some basic things like look at polarity, like was it a positive or a negative review? Um, and there's uh, so much complexity that you can pack into there. But that's what I would recommend uh, for your analysis is perhaps look use reviews as your features or reviews plus chemicals. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so David, um, just to speak to some of the points, um, I think you're right that there may be individual agents or natural product compounds within it. Take beta caryophylline as an example. Mm -hmm. And so that's why my recommendation to Keegan just now is don't deal with the ratios, but deal in this case, put the elements that are in your ratios into your factor determinations like we just tried. Um, there are going to be a few more that we know should be included. So it's not huge at this point, but it's, it's manageable. But there's a, a number of other series. And I would for sure put in um, the THCA to CBDA uh, and CBDA, CBDA amounts. Um, two things will come out of that. That um, skewed or that change in the distribution that we talked about earlier in terms of the high and low um, THCA versions will come out of this model as well if you do that. And, you know, potentially if you like type 2 or type 3 cannabis, namely one-to-one -one type 2 or high CBD type 3, that'll be predictive as well. But um, this is based on the components and what Keegan was talking about was looking at reviews, but what we're doing as well in CESC and dosing project mode is actually querying responses. So there are survey responses that are based on key effects and key um, um, untoward effects, uh, um, adverse events mm -hmm. that uh, are part of our survey profile uh, and they are um, being finessed and focused based on what we're getting out of the large scale analysis of the leafly reviews that um, he uh, alluded right, right. to. So we're using the reviews to fine tune our surveys. But at any rate, then you start to marry content and outcome and you begin to be able to build your predictive model, which I said at the very outset is one of our major goals. Right. What about the like all the PubMed studies that are out there that make the connections between different specific um, cannabinoids or terpenes and medical uh, conditions? So, um, 
by PubMed, you mean broadly off cannabis, probably, right? Because there's a large number of peer-reviewed publications. For example, Terpene X does affect Y. It has nothing to do with cannabis now. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah, I guess it's more the it's it's not specific to a, a cannabis product that you could purchase in a dispensary, but it's the research that might have isolated particular, uh, you know, either right, right. THC or uh, there's a lot of studies with the terpenes that are isolated. Many more because yeah. um, what happens in the PubMed arena is the influence of prohibition all these years on, because right. in order to have peer reviewed publications, by and large, they have to be funded. And because mm -hmm. of the funding difficulties, plus the acquisition of materials has been very difficult. This is not a traditional research arena like anywhere else. So, um, it, you know, I would say if you're interested in peer reviewed for the terpene world and or other natural product components, great, go forth and prosper. It's wonderful. But if you're going to hit the cannabinoid space, PubMed yeah. is going to lack, I think, compared right. to uh, what we're talking about through coming through the industry or the various surveys that are industry focused or what we're developing now. Hmm. Sounds good. Sorry to fire hose you, to, but. <laughs> that's all right. Well, no, that's great. I've got a tangential idea that David kind of piggybacks on yours that you made like, so this is something that I've been thinking about for a while and it's just gonna take a while to develop is, right? Somebody asked me like, oh, can we think of product descriptions? And so the idea is we've got the product. And so say you measure it and you say, oh, this is in the 90th percentile for THCV. Well, then you can go do your query of PubMed, do some natural language processing and say, oh, this sample is in the 90th percentile for THCV. These are some of the reported effects on PubMed for THCV. Mm -hmm. um, the and then all of a sudden you've got a really there's like maybe four or five of them if, if you're lucky because that's a cannabinoid true if you want to ask beta caryophylline or any of the other terpenes there's a long history of that so we end up with a resource problem because of prohibition uh let me see something i mean i mean you be the glass half full and that I mean, All right, well. it, I just think it would be interesting for product. Just, just, I was just thinking it may be interesting for product descriptions. Just say, oh, you know, this has got, like, for example, this is high in beta mercine. The state of California actually did, classifies beta mercine as a carcinogen. And so I, I didn't know that, but that's something that, yep. you know, you could potentially put together with PubMed um i mean we have so, right now uh i think we have over five thousand studies in our database yeah and uh just in terms of the cannabinoids uh like thcv uh yeah we have like 55 studies mm -hmm. um and some of the let's see. So David, 
Mm -hmm. What's jumping out at me is you've got all this text. And now that we've discovered natural language processing, Mm -hmm. text data really excites me. Um, And as I said, what I would do is basically just try to run all your text through a natural language processing algorithm. And the, like I said, the, the application I can think of is generative text. So basically thinking of product descriptions. Um, it that may not be the most exciting use ever. Um, so there's probably better uses you can do there. But that's what, what I would do is see if there's any way you can boil down all of those articles into something meaningful. Uh, or or not meaningful, but just see if you can't boil down all those articles uh, with natural language processing. But let's say what I right. recommend. Yeah, no, we've, so I, we kind of had a, a few uh, OCD uh, uh, researchers who were going through these studies and have entered into our database like with uh, numerous data points for each study, including, you know, neurotransmitters, if they were mentioned, um, terpenes, um, receptors, uh, a whole lot of things. So we've already kind of pulled the data out of those 5,000 some studies and and have them in our system. Uh, So it's already, we can parse a lot of that and see some interesting things. So, well, um, let me, no, this is kind of interesting, David. So um, let me just see if I understand. Um, so this is on beyond a PubMed and a set of mesh terms that um, that you've created your corpus with, it sounds like. You've taken that and, and put it into another format. Is that right? right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I can show you if you, I mean, if I can. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's probably worth us, maybe not now because we're maybe all yeah. getting tired or something, yeah, but yeah. Sure. it might be worth having a follow-up discussion with those of us that are, I'm certainly interested in, you know, learning a little more about this because um, it might be real useful, I could see. Um, I think I would tend to, my bias is to stay out of the cannabinoid space on this. But there's so much going on um, with you know terpenes and others, um, including a big question that we have on, on the ester components of these that might be lurking uh, in your corpus. Right. Well, I, I'd be happy to show it at uh, another time. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can schedule that, or or we do it offline. Yeah. I, I, either way um i'm i'm going away for uh two weeks but uh <laughs> where are you located uh oakland oh you're in the bay area too god yeah. everybody's okay <laughs> we're all other than canvas um on this call west coast i'm in san diego okay cool well too cool and i i i cut out but i'm on my phone now but david i would we're going to say yeah let's definitely keep this conversation going because i love that you're you're working with pubmed and as john pointed out there's you know more stud more clinical studies to be done but there's still some data to be there 
Um, so it seems like being able to marry the two sources, you know, mm -hmm. would be interesting. Well, marry everything, um, right? Because what is your contact info? Or um, oh, I'll put it in the the chat. I hate chat. Okay, I'll see if I can figure it out. What can I do? With well, as I said, let's let's keep it going because you know essentially we're trying to you know marry the the lab results to the reviews, and I was wanting to try to marry them to the actual chemical data for a long time now, because like let's let's say you know we have all these terpenes. All of a sudden, if we then look up all that data, right, you look at the boiling point, right? You say you look at the, uh, this is beyond my knowledge base, but the, the, the neural transmitters, right? So you look at all of these factors and put that behind a clever machine learning algorithm. Who knows what they'll discover? They may realize like, oh, you like sativa because that's all targeting these certain receptors in your brain. Um, I mean, that's just a hypothesis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, there may be some, I mean, ground. I mean, you may go down in the history books, David, uh, if you think of something like, or you discover something, you know, really, really meaningful. So, I, I mean, I think there's just, I mean, it makes me so exciting. I'm mm -hmm. so excited. So, let's definitely keep the conversation going. All right. David, I, I picked up your email. I'll send you mine, and we can uh, take that conversation to email, I think. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much for for uh, attending. A very interesting session. Kian, thanks for the, um, you know, the nearest neighbor. That, I mean, obviously, uh, it's got great applications in uh, what we've been talking about with flight concept and all that. But, you know, yeah, it, helping bud tenders or people at the retail level say, well, we don't have this, but we have this, um, maybe a really good way to do that. Exactly, and this was just the, the tip of the iceberg, as yeah. I was trying to point out, there's so many of these matching models and you know we can incorporate so much data, all the data David was talking about, the data Charles and you have been working on. So the, you know, the sky's the limit on this. Mm -hmm. So today really turned out well, we finally got to some of these cool borderline machine learning models that we've slowly been building up to. And I think we're really pushing the frontier. So I definitely yeah. want to thank you all for coming today. It would it's been I'm awesome. Delighted. I think the parsing is helping and I'm very uh, gratified that you seem to like the ratio concept, even, you know, when it's applied right, that's great. I, I love it. I, as I told you, it was a game changer for me. So yeah, hopefully so. it can be a game changer for millions. Good. Too cool, everyone. Thank you for coming. It was an awesome meetup today. So let's let's rendezvous again next week and have another exciting meetup.